You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the BH app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan Whites. Greetings and welcome to the B&H Photography Podcast. If you've ever looked out from a perch on a mountaintop or had a window seat on a plane, you know how magical it can be to stare down at the world from high above. Our guest today is documentary and fine art photographer Jeffrey Milstein, who's one of the few aerial photographers with a recognizable signature style. When I see a Jeff Milstein photograph, I can usually nail it. Jeff's work is infused with the complexity of observation, with the fascination of how similar forms repeat themselves in distinctive ways. And these themes are reflected in his four books, Cuba, Aircraft, The Jet is Art, Small Dreams, about trailer homes in Palm Springs, and his most recent book, L-A-N-Y, described as a unique dual aerial portrait of Los Angeles and New York, a stunning case of compare and contrast from a bird's eye point of view. A California native with an architecture degree from Berkeley, Milstein has since migrated to upstate New York, where he's established his distinctive voice. Jeff's work has been exhibited throughout the world, including at the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum, the Morgan Lehman Gallery, and the Portland Art Museum. His work is in the George Eastman Collection in Rochester, and he currently has an exhibition of aerial photos on display at the Ben Ruby Gallery in New York that's running until March 17, 2018. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Nice to be here. Pleasure to have you here. Before we start the show, it's time for Al's Gearhead Pick of the Week. A few months ago, we had Bellamy Hunt of Japan Camera Hunter fame on our podcast. We had a blast recording that show, and before he left, he tossed us a few rolls of Street Pan 400, a new ISO 400 speed black and white film he was about to bring to market. It's really a nice film, and now it's available in 35mm, 36 exposure rolls, as well as 120 rolls of film on the B&H website. Street Pan 400 features a fine-grained two-layer emulsion on a transparent polyester base with anti-scratch and anti-static coatings. We're heading into spring, so pop a fresh battery into your favorite film camera, load up a roll of Street Pan 400, and go make art. Okay, let's do the show. Jeff, welcome again. (laughs) Your work seems to have a lot going on in terms of form and pattern and quite frequently of industrial and human-made environments. How has your interest and background in architecture influenced your approach to photography? Let's preface that. You were an architecture major before you became a photographer. Is that correct? An architect, practicing architect. Okay. Residential or commercial? I uh, did some of each. Okay. And what about photography? How did photography find its way into this? Well, I came into architecture from an art background. So I was always in the arts. I painted. I drew. And um, I got a camera. Actually, when I graduated junior high school, I got an 8-millimeter movie camera. And the first thing I did was go out to the airport and start filming airplanes. So this aircraft goes back a ways. It goes back a ways. <laughs> okay. I was an airplane nut as a kid. I built all the models. I read everything I could. I, uh, My favorite Sunday morning thing was to go out to the airport, LAX, and get as close to the end of the runway as you could and have the planes come flying right over my head as they were landing. I just loved that. Um, So, yeah, it goes back a long way. How satisfying is it then to, all these years later, 
you know, the work that you're being most recognized for to some degree anyway are, are the, these these images of airplanes. Airplanes and also what I was going to say is I started taking flying lessons when I was 15 in, in Los, well, Santa Monica at the airport there. I used to um, go out to the airport in the morning and they would let me sweep out a hangar. Uh, took about three hours and they would give me an hour flight time in a Cessna 150. That's how I got this podcast gig, you know. <laughs> Sweep it up. I was just sweeping the lobby a few years ago, and slowly but surely I got up to the fourth floor. There you go. So anyway, so go ahead. <laughs> so um, one of the things I liked to do early on was I took that 8-millimeter camera, and I started filming from the air. And I actually still have some of the 8-millimeter film, and I looked at it not too long ago, and I actually am consistent because I photographed some of the same places back then <laughs> that I – did, you know, 50-something years later. Is it safe to assume that it's a, it's not as easy to stay at the end of a runway and hang out right now than it was 50 years ago? You know, you're outside the airport. You're not yeah. inside. And I have certain spots that I've found. But I'll tell you, um, I, I started shooting a little before 9-11, and I didn't shoot for a year after 9-11. I, I just thought no one's going to want to really look at an airliner flying overhead. And then I slowly started doing it again, and the cops would converge on me um, out of the airport. And then after a while, I think they just figured out who I was, and I would tell them and show them pictures of what I was doing. But I know there's a helicopter that always is flying around LAX, and I know they're looking down saying, oh, there's Jeff again. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the photos of airplanes then are – in Los Angeles, are mostly still mostly from, Los Angeles? from LAX. Okay. Uh, some uh, I've done at air shows. Some mm -hmm. of the military, right. uh, Oshkosh has this incredible air show they put on every year, mm -hmm. and I've gone there three times. And did you? Did it take you a while to get to that spot? And I don't mean the physical spot, but the 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 spot where you realized this direct shot yes. underneath was the one I, you liked? Yes, I mean, it did, because I didn't come to that right away. In right, fact, I started trying, you know, photographing the planes coming across the street and over the industrial areas, and and then as they were coming in, but not directly under, and then slowly it morphed into directly under, and directly under on a day which was lightly overcast became the form of the typology, mm -hmm. which they all ended up being that kind of I was going to ask you about, we were talking about that because all of the, if, if you haven't seen the pictures, the ones we're discussing right now, uh, Jeff takes pictures looking straight up as of aircraft going directly over his head. And it takes on a wallpaper pattern if you look like 20 of them side by side. They're, they're interesting individually and as a group. But all the skies are kind of whitish. And I was kind of Saying to myself, like, do you just take pictures at noon in July, or uh, well, <laughs> because they're very specific? Or do you fake well, this post? No, no, I mask it and I and I eliminate the sky, so okay. I'm creating a portrait of the plane. You know, it becomes re reductive and and a little bit like a work of art in a sense that it's not a pure photograph. Uh, the plane is, but you know, the Absolutely. the background is dropped away. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about, especially when you see these printed large. The aircraft themselves are pretty imposing, uh, and every every well, the different manufacturers and the different airlines they have different markings and stuff like that. What's, what I find interesting is the dirt patterns mm -hmm. under the wings and the lubricants mm -hmm. and all the stuff, so, the staining. Interesting story. There was a recession in uh, was it around two thousand and eight? Yeah, and the airplanes got dirtier. 
they were not cleaning them as much during that time because I think everybody was having trouble maintaining fuel know, the price balance were going sheets. up and everything and it, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah interesting yeah I definitely noticed that and then I won't say which <laughs> airlines but there were some planes I could not get a direct shot underneath they just never lined up with the runway <laughs> huh. that's funny and another question I have regarding and, and you maybe answered it to some degree that the post processing that you're doing uh, on these are they all taken in in that exact same spot or do you then adjust the way they are within the frame. You, and- well, you know, I mean, I'm actually shooting them on the diagonal of the frame to get the biggest picture I can get. Mm, yeah. And then so later on, I'll, of course, straighten it out. You you can't fix it if you're not directly under the shot. And sometimes, even if you're directly under the plane, they're constantly um, dropping a wing and raising a wing to maintain their position. So sometimes I think, oh man, I got this great shot and right over me drops a wing and I throw it away. Now, there are people who've sort of come in and done things similar to what I've done later, but they never get them perfect. I've noticed that. Like I walk away at the end of the day with a couple of good shots that I'm going to use and I throw away the rest because I don't use them if they're not perfect. Now, I shouldn't say this because not other people figure out what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> and after you've done so many, what other than the alignment, what is it you're looking for? I mean, well, there's colors, of course, and the different patterns that they have. But yeah, I mean, um, some of the nicest ones were, were the American Airlines ones when they had them all silver. Um, United has gone to a completely different paint job. I mean, I've got ones that you'll never see again um, that, you know, uh, the airlines have all merged. It used to be a number of airlines and now it's three and the paint jobs have gotten pretty bland and similar. I was looking at a few weeks ago, I was in Los Angeles, looking at all the paint jobs and they really have gotten awful. Yeah. Now, um, I should say uh, Southwest still has a series. They have one for each state or at least a lot of the states. And and what they do is they paint it up somehow, like um, the one for Maryland is based on the Maryland flag. It's very colorful. And they have the one for Nevada is has pictures of their state flower on it. And then Alaska has some very cool ones. They have, yeah, bold, very bold graphics. They have, yes. well, they've got a Disney one, which is very cool. It's in the book. And um, they've got, oh, um, uh, Southwest has an orca. They painted it like hmm. an orca. That hmm. one's in the book also. Yeah, yeah. So I've caught a lot of them, which I've put in the book. I I don't have every one, and they change them from time to time. What's the? Uh, I mean, for you anyway, other than the you know the your love of aircraft, uh, it seems like a lifelong love. What is the uh, the artistic thrill? Is it is it the again the repetition of the pattern, and or is it about the uh, accumulation and inventorying, or what, what do you? Um, what's the what, well, when they're flying over you and they're very close, then you know they're big and they thunder over you. You get about a second of you know of them overhead, and they're gone. And I like capturing that moment, and so you could stand there and look at a fifty inch or sixty inch print. You know, and just marvel about, the, you know, all the detail, the rivets and everything. And, I mean, people will come in. Sometimes I hang some in my studio and and people come in. They they say, you know, what did you do? Did you, Were you like, is this a model or, you know, and I have, a, and I have an engineer friend 
And he looked at him when he first saw them, and he starts calculating. He says, I don't see how you do this without blurring, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Can you mention that a little bit about the, the settings you use? Um, well, I shoot as, as fast as I can for the light, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I try to shoot around two thousandths of a second. Um, when the light starts going down, then, you know, you have to adjust and hope for some that aren't blurry. Mm-hmm. I don't use a tripod. Uh, I hand hold. I was going to ask you about yeah. that. Yeah, and, and well, is this, are you on continuous high speed, or are you just trying to get that one image? Oh, you, you could only it? get one. The fastest camera made, you're only going to still get one. It's moving so fast, and even but, the, but you're shooting in continuous. You're not you, just you waiting. Get, you're not depending you get on your one. a fraction of a second when it's overhead yeah. directly. So that's another thing. Is like um, I have some, and they're slightly forward or slightly back. You know, because I didn't hit the. This, you know, you have to time it because the shutter has a fraction of a lag right. mm-hmm. and the plane is moving fast. So you have to judge the time to hit the shutter slightly before it's going to be where it is. And sometimes you nail it and sometimes you don't. And But that for me is part of the whole process. It has to be in a perfect position. Are you laying on your back or standing up? I'm, I'm standing up. Okay. <laughs> and I go back as far as my neck will go. <laughs> so what camera are you using? Well, let me go, let me tell you what I started sure. with because the my favorite camera was the Contax. And Alan remembers. Oh, this. yeah. The 645, the sure. The 645 contacts. And then the first digital back for it was the Kodak back, 16 megapixels, a square picture. It was the pro back, right? Yeah, I and I think, yeah. um, and that was the first one. And I dived in with that, and started shooting with with that back. And then uh, Phase came out with a twenty two megapixel, so I traded. They took it as a trade, and I went to the twenty two. And the the airplane series started really with the twenty two megapixel. I still have a number in in the um, portfolio that were from that twenty two with the. It was the um, the contacts and the Zeiss forty five to ninety, which is arguably one of the best zoom lens ever made. Um, and so then I kept trading up. I went to the forty megapixel, the sixty megapixel, the eighty megapixel, and now I have the hundred megapixel. Okay, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and what is the lens? That, I know you mentioned the well, zoom, but what do you use normally? Uh, well, now um, I. I'm using that for aerials now. Mm-hmm. I'm not really – I haven't been shooting underneath for a while so yeah. much. So if I did, I would have to switch lenses. I don't have the zoom lens for it. And to be honest, I, I don't like it. The corners I didn't think were as sharp as the prime lenses. So um, uh, so for – you know, I, I did also uh, use the Alpa for a while with the phase. Um, and those lenses are superb, but it's, they're not good for shooting airplanes. They're they're fine for shooting out of the helicopters. Why? What is the difference between shooting down from a, a an aircraft and shooting up at aircraft? Um, what makes it better or worse? You need um, well. First of all, you need a fast lens, and you need a shutter that's quick. Okay. The um, now the phase one IQ. Uh, the Phase One FX is it XF camera? Now that has a good shutter; it's fast enough. But um, I haven't really done it. Uh, I haven't gone out to the airport. And the thing is, um, having a zoom lens is is the best if you're in an airport because the planes are all different sizes, 
And so otherwise you're going to constantly be changing your lens. And, and then you have to figure out how big is that plane, you know, a ways out. Now I can tell what the makes and models are pretty far out, but um, you've, you've got to have time to get your lens on, you know, before it's right over you. And they move so fast when they're... And I, I guess I kind of asked this question prior, but of the series where you're looking up at the jets, is there one favorite spot that you have, physical spot? Uh, yes, there's a spot in, L at a, in L.A. And yeah. you return to that same spot? Yeah. Yeah, all the yeah. time. Okay. Um, and, in and actually, there's more than one. They have a south runway and a north runway, and I, I, I sometimes do the south and sometimes the north. Yeah. And you're also shooting mostly midday because the light yes. is very uniform. Yeah, but you can't shoot right in the middle of the day because the sun is going to get in your picture. Yeah. So you have to go a little before or a little after, or the winter is mm. fine because the sun's not so high. Right. And in terms of the, the post-production, how much time would you say you spend on, on an image with the, the masking and correction? Um, I, you know, hours. Yeah. I, you know, I could spend quite a bit of time on post-production and, and both for the aerials and the uh, yeah. airplanes. When did, you, we, when did you flip? Because some, actually some, I, I love the aircraft. Yeah. But the pictures that blow me away the most are the cruise ships. Oh, yeah. So after I had done... I love them too. They're, they're amazing. I mean, I had, you know, I'd gotten a nice portfolio of the aircraft together and everything was humming along. And then like in any world of, of uh, production or art, you have to have something next, something to follow. Yeah. <laughs> and so I started thinking, you know, what what would fit in in that category and you know the aircraft is an amazing piece of machinery well these cruise ships are these amazing th i think i read an article in the paper about new cruise ships being built and and how incredible they were and i scratched my head and said i'm going to get a helicopter i'm going down to florida and i'm going to start photographing these so i did that and uh and that it worked out really well. I was able to get the shot I wanted that I envisioned. Um, and with the, uh, I was shooting the 80 megapixel at that time. And I was using the um, incredibly sharp four by five lenses on an Alpa. And so um, that started that. And it fit right in because, you know, it, it was, a, again, a portrait of, of a, Something of amazing scale, but it's, it, but it's the complete opposite of the aircraft. The aircraft, yeah. you're looking up yeah. midday, right. and here you're at midnight looking down over cruise ships in the ocean. Well, not all of them are at night. Um, a lot of them are the last bit of sun. I want, I want, ah, that, okay. I want that, that beautiful Vermeer light. You know. But it's the, it's the lighting, the artificial yeah. lighting on the boats. When they look like elongated jukeboxes from the yeah. 50s. Yeah. They have an incredible look at uh, about them. And it takes a while, a few moments to register what it is because the scale is totally wrong mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. And you say, oh my God, that's a ship I'm looking at. Right. And just a little bit of the wake yeah. coming off and then yeah. it goes off into just a black inkiness. Yeah. It's stunning. Yeah. Phase one, just um, uh, I gave them permission to print uh, four 70-inch ships on metal and they put them in their corporate offices. Wow. Ooh, nice. Wow. That's beautiful. Oh, yeah. If they have any outtakes, I'll take one of them. <laughs> you know, fingerprints on the edges and stuff. I'm okay about that. <laughs> Not picky, right? Not picky at all. Um, and the post-processing on them, is it a similar 
similar yeah. work. You yeah, mask. you ha- yeah, obviously um, turning to vertical cropping. Mm-hmm. You know, f- sometimes filling in a little ocean in the corners or mm-hmm. something. You know, yeah. are you taking commercial assignments at all, or is this all f- your own work? I have had a few commercial assignments. I Bloomberg flew me out to. Um, Gatwick Airport uh, two years ago, and I shot that for them. And then the airport saw the pictures, and they wanted to get some of them. And Bloomberg wouldn't release them because the article got pushed up. And so they flew me out again <laughs> to take them <laughs> for them. Um, I got to fly. I did a, sh- a shoot for um, Esquire some years ago, which started the Black Box series. I, mm. I went up to. Okay to uh, shoot a black box from uh, uh, a helicopter crash, terrible crash, off of Newfoundland. And um, I, so I went, they wanted me to photograph the helicopter, but uh, Sikorsky would not fly one for us because the article uh, was a little bit critical of Sikorsky. Mm. So I, I did photograph the black box, in, uh, which, which uh, came out, the article was called uh, the end of mystery. You can still find it online. It's a very interesting story of what happened. And that's a, a very interesting series, which is on your website, and I, we encourage people to take a look at it. Yeah. But compared to the other stuff and, and these kind of grand uh, scaled, whether they're aircraft, cityscapes, or cruise ships, these are a series of straightforward shots of mangled uh, recording voice recording boxes from, from crashes. Right. And they, you know, one in... When you see them together, the stories just kind of come pouring out of them. Even though you don't know the obvious stories, you can just kind of uh, imagine, and, and and they're pretty powerful. Yeah, you know, especially yeah. as a group. Yeah. You know? they're, yeah, they're very charged with the history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. And when was that series done? Oh, that was a while ago. Um, gosh, uh, it's probably. I don't know, seven or eight years ago, I would think that I went up there. And then what happened, I wanted to do more of them because what happened was I was in um, Ottawa and at the NTSB and I photographed the one they sent me to photograph and I photographed the, the, the inspectors and all this stuff. And then I saw a shelf with a bunch of other ones and I said, can I photograph the other ones also? And so they let me do that. And I came back to the U.S. and I think this is a very interesting portfolio let me contact the U.S. NTSB, and uh, they said, you you can't photograph here. I was going to ask you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of given up on, on getting more of them, and I'm reading the New York Times one day, and there's an article about the inventor of the black box, which is actually an orange box. Yeah, it's true. And um, turns out it was invented in Australia. Uh, so... I contacted the Australian uh, Transportation Safety Board, and they said, come on over, mighty. (laughs) (laughs) And my daughter had been asking me, can we visit Australia for some time? I don't know why. (laughs) And you kept saying, not until I can deduct it on my taxes. (laughs) So suddenly I had a reason, and uh, we flew over there and went to Canberra. And uh, they were very nice, uh, photographed boxes, and they showed me all around how they test things and um, showed me parts of a helicopter rotor that failed. I think about that now and then. Mm. Um, Mm. Anyway, so that's how that went ahead. And I guess this process is, it's a long-term process in order to get the approval or or is it just a matter of 
showing your work, uh, showing a few connections that you had, and pri- and they said okay, or did you? Yeah, I showed them some of the work, mm-hmm. and and they said okay, yeah. That was pretty simple, and just the United States was. Um, like the, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I, well, I even had Maurice Hinchy write a letter. Uh huh. Who was our local congressman right. at the time? Uh, wonderful congressman. Um, and that didn't help. <laughs> yeah. And this is all, again, post 9-11. Yes. Yeah, you're, you yeah. Said that, and okay. I think that also probably um, was part of it. Although they did tell me that um, at the U.S. they gave the boxes back to the airlines. So they may not have had that many right. anyway. Right, right. And when did the uh, – or transition us to the aerial stuff then. When did you decide to uh, make – Cityscapes. I mean, it's not new to you, I'm sure, but when did you... Well, it started about, oh, six or seven years ago. Um, I started thinking about shooting from the air again. Mm -hmm. And I have a friend who had a Cessna 182 up in Kingston, and uh, he loves to fly and um, uh, has a commercial license. And I asked him if he wanted to fly down and we fly over the um, airports in in uh, Manhattan, JFK and so forth. So that's how it started off. One, one afternoon, late afternoon, we flew down there and um, the window of his plane would open so I could shoot out and we got permission to circle over Kennedy and um, I started shooting airports first. Uh, we made a number of trips over different airports and um, at that time, it was really difficult to get night shots because I was still shooting with the um, CCD chip. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you went past 200, it just broke up. Mm-hmm. So um, I also started using the Canon at night. Um, later, I got a Sony, the AR-7 uh, and uh, I still use that sometimes for the darker night shots or if I'm not carrying a heavier camera. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the approval, is that something that the pilot would radio in and ask for or is that something you yeah. had to arrange ahead of time? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You Well, they like it if you arrange ahead of time. Right. We didn't always do right. that. Right. Um, it depends how busy they are. It depends who's on. Um, and we didn't always, you know, get permission at, mm. at the airports, but uh, enough times we did. They're not very glamorous from the air airports. They just really look like processing plants. They really, really do. <laughs> Except for the aircraft. It's the aircraft. Air, that's yeah. all there is. But the rest yeah. of it, it's just warehousing. It looks like anything that you'd fly over in an industrial zone. Actually, yeah. you know, I kind of disagree. I, I like to see the way they arrange. The, oh, the, pa- the spidering and the patterns. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The has lines their- on, the, on the painted lines, the patterns, the numbers. Mm-hmm. Some of that can actually be quite graphic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's one shot you had also when they were uh, doing the uh, um, the movie about uh, uh, Captain Sully. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, oh. That was actually um, at uh, Universal, Universal Studios in Hollywood. I saw the plane there and I thought, what the heck? You know, and I <laughs> photographed it and, and then I went back and looked it up and I found out that that was actually um, the same plane. It, it was an Airbus, I think, A320, and they took the wings off it and they hauled it <laughs> from wherever and set it up in their yeah. in their back lot. The one thing I liked about that shot was that gigantic blue screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Said, That's insane. And the blue screen. And they actually had the the quarter ends of the ferry boats built. And uh, they were doing oh. something when I was flying over because there were some lights on at the time. Mm. 
imagine. Interesting. Okay, we're going to take a short break, and we come back. We're going to talk about aerial photography with Jeff Milstein. Stay tuned. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the B&H Photography Podcast. Send us a tweet at bhphotovideo, hashtag bhphotopodcast. We are back. Um, for, first question I have for this section of the podcast, do you shoot from helicopters as well as fixed-wing aircraft, or is it predominantly fixed-wing? Both. Okay. Preference? Helicopter. Same here. Yeah. I shot. <laughs> I used to do a lot of marine photography, uh, boating, and yeah, helicopter. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Uh, a Bell Jet Ranger to me was the best Boy, tripod made. you had money. I never hired It wasn't my those. money. It was other people's money. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I don't have $1,500 yeah, now yeah. for that. But, um, yeah. No, it's more now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, when you, now, here's another question. Since helicopters, doors or no doors? No doors. Okay. All right. Harness or no harness? No harness. Ooh. Only time I did have a harness was in England. Um, shooting for, um, shooting at Gatwick. However, um, I find when you stick yourself out, the, the wind shakes everything, shakes your yes. camera. I rather get them to do a steep turn. Now, some people get sick. In fact, I've had pilots get sick, but I, I like that and it, it doesn't bother me. You like getting sick? No, no. no I like oh. the steep turn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've done, but I know what you mean exactly. It's yeah. buffeting. It's crazy. So let me get this straight. You, there's the door's open. Yeah, and you have no harness. Oh, I have a seatbelt. A seatbelt. Yeah. Okay. I try to be careful not to unhook it. Okay. <laughs> no, well, actually, I could show you a neat little thing to do with gaffer tape for a quick I, release on that. I, it's really, it's a good simple way of doing it. Uh, yeah, I always think sometimes I ought to tape it. You know, but um, well, the truth is, if the pilot's flying correctly, you should not be falling out. The, the G force should be down. But now, I actually, but now and then you do get a, a puff of air and it, it knocks you. So yeah. I used to we used to take the seat out too, and I'd have a harness around me. We'd buckle it into the base of the floor, oh, okay. and I would step out and stand on the skid. Oh, okay. Now it gets windy, but you you could bounce yourself. Yeah. Now I also knew some guy who'd do the same thing without a harness. Right. He worked oh, with the crazy. same pilot all the time, and they were oh, a team. That's insane. And he was able to gimbal himself and pivot himself, and I'd look and watch him. I thought he was insane, but he was just part of the aircraft. You well, need he needs one big gust and hit game's over, but, you Oh, know. yeah, and that can happen. And, you know, they can circle and hit their slipstream. But um, you need the bigger helicopters to do that. You need the turbines, yeah. and I'm usually in a putt-putt. Mm. <laughs> and, and what about the relationship with the pilot? Do you, I mean, obviously, you don't always have the same pilot, um, but what, how important is the communication, and, and how is that? It is yeah. important, yeah. and and some pilots seem to, for some reason, get you to a better spot. And I'm always going, you know, more right, more left, more north, more south. There are some a lot of pilots specialized in photography, and again, I used to do this a lot. And there were two or three pilots who I would try to get all the time. The communication was minimum. They knew exactly what I was trying to do, mm -hmm. and they knew how to put me where we had to mm -hmm. be. Yeah. Um, and I think <clears throat> most good pilots, if they fly photographers, it's kind of second nature for a mm -hmm. lot of them. Better ones, anyway. Yeah. So, um, do you have a checklist that you go through when you're we're about to go up in the air? Because once that's another thing. Once you're up there, you can't go back to the car to get something. You no, forget. and I have made a mistake. I I forgot once the uh, controller for my gyro. I had the battery in the gyro, but not the controller. The, uh. And 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 I I. 
it was up in the air when I figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> do you still so, use gyros or do you depend oh, yeah. on image stabilization? Um, well, you know, with that Sony AR7, it's so good. Um, I... I can get away without a gyro with That's that. what I, was, I have not shot from the rear with, with built-in image stabilizers. I used to have the add-on stabilizers, yeah. and they were beasts. They worked beautifully, yeah. but I wasn't sure how it compared the to the Sony latest. The Sony was beautiful. Uh, I, I used it over England because I hadn't actually planned to, to do that, but I ended up um, getting a helicopter there and uh, on a vacation and then and flying over London. Mm. And all I had was my Sony, so um, I performed beautifully good to know All right. okay, going back to Alan's question can you kind of just run us down a list of the gear that you'll bring with you on a, on a typical um, flight yeah uh, now what I've been using is the um, phase one um, I usually bring two or three lenses of an 80 um, a um, 110 and recently I got the 150 so I've just started to use that a little bit. So they're longer focal length. Um, only if I want to go in on something and we're higher up. Okay. Um, the 80 is pretty much the most used. Um, and uh, so I have the, you know, the camera, the lenses, the gyro, um, extra batteries, ex you know, extra chips. I usually bring the A7R as my backup camera and a lens or two if if the other camera fails so I have something to go to. Right. I've had that happen, actually. I had a contact's body. Um, I was shooting cruise ships and um, the shutter reached its hundred thousandths or whatever in the helicopter and literally failed. When I opened it up, the, the shutter blades had kind of crunched themselves. And there I was in the helicopter. So, oops! You you always have to have a backup. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind you, of strange when you see blades in your yeah. image when you're flying in a helicopter. That could be unnerving. Well, it wasn't in the image. I I mean, I I, I later on when I took the lens off, I I actually had blades show up in my pictures. I had a, I had a Nikon oh, really? a show yeah. blow on me during a job. Yeah, and it, it was literally like little blades yeah. floating around. In yeah. Front of yeah, I can't remember. Maybe I did see blades. I don't. I don't remember. And what lenses do you use when you with the with the A seven R? The um, thirty five, the fifty. I have the twenty one Loxia. I think it mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then I have a an eighty. I have both the um, eighty uh, Zeiss and the eighty Sony. Mm. And can you? No lens, no lens babies. <laughs> <laughs> no lens babies. Oh, and I did get the uh, the newer version of the twenty four to seventy. Explain to me a little bit the the gyro um, and how it works. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you want to do it? Go for sure. it. Sure. Oh, you want to tell them? You oh, I, I've used oh. them, but I'm, you're the guest. You okay. go for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I use a Ken Labs gyro. I think uh, that's the only company that makes them. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, they're in, they're in Connecticut too. Yes. I believe, right. Yeah. yeah. Randy okay. in Connecticut. Right. Um, and I, at first I had the, uh, the four X, I think it was, um, and it's fairly heavy. Um, and for traveling, I wanted to get something lighter. So I ended up selling that and buying the six, um, if I may add this, what it physically looks like, think of a giant Tylenol. It's about 10 inches yeah. long, except that it's, uh, um, a black or gray metal container that mounts onto the base of your camera and inside of it are two gyroscopes that spin at ridiculously high speeds 
It's battery driven in opposite directions. And once they, and it takes a few minutes to get up to full speed. When they do, when you pick this thing up, it's actually stabilizing. If you just hold it, say it'll turn your hands and you bolt it to the camera and it actually acts as a, a, a stabilizing device. It's actually hard to turn the camera. You have to fight it. Um, and it's a very strange experience that you have to get used to it. You have to make very subtle corrections on it, but it'll hold your camera steady so you could be shooting while flying 90 miles an hour over a speedboat and get a sharp boat with cream blowing out underneath the hull because it's just a long exposure. You can shoot for a quarter of a second, one second at oh, 90 I, miles an I, hour. I, I, I can't shoot at a quarter of a second. I've, Maybe you I've, can. I've done it. <laughs> yes. I, so I anyway, know, but, but the five-way, yeah. the image stabilization in the cameras, I guess is- It's better. It's better. And it's got to be easier to work because this is a big, bulky device. It's a device. heavy thing, yeah. My shoulders are really sore after two hours of holding. It's fighting the, heavy, the camera, yeah. The heavy FX with the heavy lenses and the gyro. And then he's going into steep turns where you're getting Gs. Mm. Uh, it can be a struggle. Yeah. And, and yeah. is there a... A shutter release on it? No, no. Well, to, it just basically it, you get a. It, it goes so you're in the bottom. The camera itself, and you're holding yeah. the camera. This okay. is basically hanging off the base of your camera. Gotcha. So, if you've ever driven a, a heavy car without power steering, that's what it's like working with this mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. It's like you're fighting this thing. It mm -hmm. works, but you really have to tangle. Gotcha, with it. gotcha. Yeah, I can picture it kind of. And what about safety precautions? Uh, I mean, I know you mentioned that you're not using a harness. Is there something that we wouldn't think of? Uh, and even in terms of the way you physically keep your body when you're in these positions? Uh, Bring warm clothing. Um, yeah, warm that's clothes. that's yeah. an important thing. <laughs> okay. It can be 90 degrees down here, yeah. and you go up a 1,000 feet or so, yeah. it gets cold Yes, very yeah. quickly. So yeah. that's that's one of your checklist items. All right. um, mm -hmm. I usually um, put on um, these things that hold your glasses on your head, the mm. straps or mm -hmm. in the back, because sometimes um, the headphones work loose and I'm afraid my glasses will fall off or something. So I, I yeah. sometimes keep, I bring an extra pair of glasses. And why don't you use a harness? Um, the smaller helicopters, there's really not so much of a use if you're not going to be stepping out. Yeah, yeah, you don't need them, you know. Okay. It's more if you're really going to get out and stand on it. Have you ever dropped anything? You know, I haven't and I worry about it. <laughs> I think about that and I try to... Um, uh, keep everything away from the door and, you know, turn away if I'm changing a lens or something. But, um, yeah, I do worry about that. Do you work with an assistant? Uh, not in the helicopter, not no. the helicopter, yeah. Okay. Just by you talking about things that go weird in helicopters, um, I was once on a project where we were shooting out over the water here, out uh, past um, um, Far Rockaway, and we came back we left from 34th Street Heliport over here and we were waiting, it was very busy, so we are hovering about 2,000 feet over the East River, it was evening, and waiting for clearance to come down. And we had one door open, just the window, it was, it was, it was pretty cold up there. A gust of wind came through, the open, the door next to me on the right side was uh, imploded it's some kind of a high, uh, uh, it's a Lexan door. It imploded into three pieces, shot through the cabin, and blew the other door out. Holy and all Christ. of my gear was in a Halliburton case that my assistant just reached and grabbed the handle as it was going out the door. Boy, I've never heard of anything like that. Been there, done that. You don't want to do it, trust me. 
Mm. Okay. <laughs> Did you ever figure out what caused it? Uh, it they, the pilot believes there was some kind of a fracture in the door itself that just gave in. The, uh -huh. the, the, the back pressure came in. But I got one piece of Lexan right across the face. It was like somebody just slugged me. I didn't even know it hit me. Wow. If it oh. was sharp, it could have been. It could have been real ugly. Yeah. yeah. And, and he didn't lose stability. But then we just, a few minutes later, we landed and everything was fine. Mm. Went out for a nice drink after that. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> wow. Can yeah. you talk a bit about the the times of day that you choose? Do you have preferences in yes. terms of times? Yeah, please. Yeah, I always try to go the last hour of sun and the first hour of twilight and dark mm -hmm. so I can combine both shots in a single right. shoot. Right. The air is also more stable at that time too, coincidentally. Mm -hmm. You have less wind going on mm -hmm. at that point in time. And are you also at that point just shooting one take at one image at a time or do you shoot on continuous? Mm -hmm. um, one image at a time. Again, okay. uh, the cameras that I'm using are not fast enough okay. to... Uh, and what, what is it? I mean, obviously, m at least in terms of the, the, the New York stuff I've seen, patterns, geometric shapes are, are very important. Is that what you're looking for? Mm -hmm. And is it is it the goal to capture as much as you can in camera? Or you don't worry about that and you just fix it later? Oh, no, I worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can do some fixes, but um, you you if you get it right in the camera, your life is much easier. Right. And there seems to be, I mean, yeah. to be straight... Straight down yeah. is the point, correct? Well, for a in lot of the cases, work. I don't, yeah. not everything I do is straight down. I, right. I do some that aren't. But the there is a straight down body of work and it, it is very geometrical mm -hmm. and I like to line things up. And I think that does trace back probably to my architectural training. Mm -hmm. A lot of the pictures are like floor plans of yeah. something or yeah. other. And uh, I remember studying the great cities and great piazzas in Europe and all of that and how cities are formed. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think it's very interesting, the man-made landscape from the air mm -hmm. and how um, there's like um, the streets and you look at all these taxi cabs in New York and they're almost like blood cells in an artery and they're doing the same thing really they're moving information and they're moving the lifeblood of the city so it's almost like patterns that are organic mm -hmm. um, repeat themselves in the man-made environment Absolutely. Now, do you prefer helicopters for doing that kind because you could position yourself again you're talking about creating grids and your stuff is very geometric in a fixed-wing aircraft, I could see that being really difficult, having to keep circling around just trying to catch it, whereas with a helicopter, you could stay in a fixed position and shoot for a few moments anyway. You can stay in a fixed position if you're not tilted. If you're tilted, you have to be turning. True. But it's much slower than an airplane, and you have this huge open, and you are you can be lower, yeah. and you can it's, – it's much easier. The plane is going fast – you're higher up because you can't fly around New York low, so you have to go pretty high. And the airplane shots of the cities are much higher. It's a it's a nice look. It's a different look. And uh, it's much more of that kind of computer board grid look, whereas the helicopter pictures uh, zero in more on particular areas like Columbus Circle or the park mm -hmm. or 
the 9-11 memorial or something. Some of the fun pictures you have of the uh, Thanksgiving Day parade from yeah. up in the air. It's mm-hmm. like you're looking at the cityscape and you realize, wait a second, there's a dinosaur in the middle of Fifth Avenue. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> the scale is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. That, and is there a chosen or a favorite altitude that you prefer to shoot from? Or do you change that based on the series and, and the aesthetics that you're looking for? Can you talk about that a bit? Um it does change. Um, around New York, you're usually between one and two thousand. Going higher, you could get into the uh, altitudes that uh, LaGuardia is using, or something like that. Um, Imagine if you're shooting in any metropolitan area, you got to do a lot of checking of rules and regulations before you do anything like yeah, that. Yeah, there's always some areas that that's a problem. They, you know. Um, you can probably get permission for a short time to do something, but there are places that, you know, because the they're on the flight paths, you know, especially in LA, there's certain areas that you just, you know, can't really hang around. And, and you basically rely on the pilots to... They're talking to, to center mm-hmm. and, uh, or the tower, depending on where you are and getting the permissions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it varies again to who's on at the on that day. Right, right. I want to get back really quickly to the the idea of the the aesthetics of the image you're creating and and this idea of looking straight down to get the grids and the patterns. Did it take you a while to find that? Did it come to that or is that something you knew right away that you wanted to distinguish yourself from other aerial photographers to some degree by by looking straight down and by concentrating on the patterns of the city? Well, it started when I was doing the airports and mm. um, and then I, uh, you know, during that time, it transitioned to wanting to shoot more straight down because I liked the patterns. Mm-hmm. They became um, kind of abstract geometry. Absolutely. And, and so um, that became what, what I was interested in, what I liked to do. And it just felt right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you played around with drones at all? I look at pictures of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> pictures of them were taken by them? Both. Okay. I mean, I, I see the ads when I say I look at pictures of them. I, uh, I, I imagine it must intrigue you because you go through a lot of pain and effort to do this. In the meantime, well, here's the Well, here's the problem. Please, go ahead. Uh, legally, they're limited to 400 feet and line of sight. Mm-hmm. And when I get in a helicopter, I can zip around and do a lot of work and... Um, you know, I, I would have to go to different places and then I'm limited to the 400 feet. And, and 12 minutes of flight do time. Do <laughs> I really want to put $50,000 worth of camera in a drone? If you have a $100,000 drone, yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, there you go. But that takes away However, the, all the fun, right? Do you, That's right. Do you have a $100,000 person controlling it? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. All right, but I imagine, have you... Have you been tempted to um, play around a little bit that you know it's a uh, teaser for you it has to be i um i've thought about it but i'm at a point in my life where i can't read another manual <laughs> <laughs> so I can I ask, how much does it cost to rent a i mean obviously there's differences in prices but in general to rent a, a, a the kind of helicopter you use yeah uh, new york's a little more expensive mm. than la uh, and then you can, if you buy more hours, uh, they'll give you a cheaper price. But generally, it's around um, the lowest you, you're going to get. It's in the f- maybe five fifty range, um, and and seven hundred is 
is probably seven eight hundred for the little bigger ones out of New Jersey. Um, if you have some kind of a, a, a jet power type, though. now then you're getting up into thousands. Then it's, yeah, then it, it used to be yeah. fifteen hundred. I imagine it's more oh, than it's, that now. It's, yeah, but like, you can you can cover more territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but not so much more. I mean, unless you're flying from a faraway place to where you're right. going, once you're getting once you're where you are. You know, you want, you don't want to be going fast taking the pictures. You want to be slowed down anyway. As long as you can keep up with your subject, that's the truth. Well, that's when <laughs> yeah. you're you're photographing yeah. moving things. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And again, questions about post production for for the aerial photography photos. Um, same thing. Well, adjusting, you know, cropping. Uh, yeah, uh, all of it. All yeah. Of it, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you're shooting in raw when, when you're shooting with these kinds of cameras, so mm-hmm. it's a very flat image. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, you're going to be doing a lot of uh, mm-hmm. work to bring out the image, and then, um, it, you know, I if it's angled somewhat, I'll, I'll, you know, crop, you know, rotate it, mm-hmm. crop, and you know, try to make it parallel lines a little bit. And what do you work with at home? What is your, your monitor set up? And, oh, yeah. um, I have uh, the um, Apple Tower, mm-hmm. uh, the black tower, and the ISO, is that how you say it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The ISO monitors. And, That's uh, what I use. Those are nice. Yeah, and, and then I've got some uh, Pegasus uh, multi uh, bank um, backups, and they fill up. And then I've got a whole stack of of uh, La C orange mm-hmm. uh, portable drives. Portable yeah. drives. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And are you always envisioning the print, the final print, uh, when you're doing this? Oh, work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, not just the final print, but a large final print. Mm-hmm. Uh, if uh, anybody gets a chance to go down to Ben Ruby and and see the show before it closes on the seventeenth. Um, they'll get to see a, a number of 70-inch prints. And um, I like to make big prints that you can stand in front of and, and really, you know, discover things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's your biggest printer right now? When we first met, I know it was a 44-inch, and I think you were looking at a 60. I have the 11880, okay. which is a 64-inch um, Epson. And uh, it's a great machine. I use it all the time. So I can get a uh, like a 60. 2 by 84 inch and still have a border on it. Right. But if I'm going to get much bigger than that, I, I have to go to a light jet or something. And you do all the printing yourself? I do everything that's under that size, under yeah. That size, right. yeah. And what paper? Um, I usually use, um, I've tested a lot of papers, and honestly, I've come back to the Epson Premium Luster. I haven't found mm. any paper that really looks substantially better. Uh, a lot of people come back to that paper. They, yeah. they play around, they come back. I mean, some, if, if I want a 64-inch paper because somebody wants a bigger one, I'll, I'll use the uh, Epson uh, Exhibition Fiber. Yes, okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's a lot of other good papers out there, but I, I just, everything's, you know, tuned to that and it mm-hmm. works. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Have you gotten requests from people, from buyers to say, hey, you know, I give, give me a, a shot with my building in it or, you know, give me a shot with something I'd like and, and then I'll, I'll buy that or is that... You know, I've had some nibbles with people that have uh, uh, a plane or um, a boat, but nothing's... Uh, I had a, a, actually an email from a guy in uh, Santa Monica has a small airline 
which uses uh, these Pilatus uh, single-engine uh, turbines, and he wants a picture. And so um, I don't know, maybe something will happen there. And I told him I'll trade him for some flight time. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Do you own your own plane? I did up until a couple of years ago, and I sold it because I just wasn't using it enough. And it was a low wing, which really didn't lend ah, itself okay. to photography. So I bought a quarter of a Cessna 182. Mm. Okay. Interesting. What's the future work looking like? Do you have any ideas? Uh, you've, done, you've done planes and you've done ships. What are you <laughs> doing now? Well, I also <laughs> uh, do some street work. I just came back from Havana mm -hmm. and um, really pleased with some of the work I got in Havana using um, the new uh, Hasselblad okay. X1D. Yeah. Yeah, apart from a shutter malfunction, which caused me to lose a number of shots, they gave me a new camera. There's something wonderful about the chip and the lenses, it, it, you and know. And the form factor is beautiful. It's such a small... Yes, and system. that's what I wanted it to walk around the streets. Yes. I can't walk around with a phase one anymore. It's too heavy. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, but uh, in terms of aerial work, are you, is, is this idea of, of finding patterns... Oh, yeah. What, what, your, um, what your main folk... I mean, do you, well, do you feel... Do you want to go in a total different direction and uh, shoot out in the desert or... Well, I just got the impression know. going to Cuba must be totally different from what we've been talking or about islands, up till yeah, now. Islands, yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I uh, I do have the, the book of uh, Cuba Street Photography mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with Monticelli Press. Uh, I enjoy doing different things. I, I don't feel like I, I want to do only one type of photography. Um... And uh, I'm looking forward to going to Europe and doing some aerial work there in the near future. Which of your works have, has gotten the most attention from people? What do people come back with the most? Um, right now, the aerials. Specifically, uh, which ones? Like, to me, the, the, the cruise ships just blow me away. That's just my thing. Yeah. I mean, the, the cruise ships um, are great. I... I haven't sold as many of those as, as aircraft, but uh, um, people, I mean, I've sold really across the board, cities, um, s New York City, uh, a number of pictures of New York City, uh, some of the L.A. Uh, things like uh, Disneyland, um, beaches, That's another um, thing I liked. Museums. Stuff. A lot of your beach scenes. My favorite ones are where you have – it's sort of like in thirds you have water. Yeah. The boardwalk and the beach and then yeah. the homes or the business yeah. inside. And it's sort of like this triptych thing yeah. going on there. And then you'll have a pier going through it just bisecting all of them. Yeah. And some of those are a lot of fun. And the amusement parks at night. Yeah, the, the, yeah there's one of a pier there that's extremely sharp. Yeah. yeah. And the, oh, yes. Uh, there was a picture of Coney Island that's become iconic. It was um, put on uh, Times blog – and uh, got like 34,000 likes or something. Wow. Nice. Um, yeah, and that was actually in Vanity Fair a few months ago. And that sold out. I, there's no more for sale. There's one actually, but um, basically it's sold out. And um, so, what, yeah, I do. Are, I love amusement. What's that? Large prints? Uh, because that's night, it was limited to 54 inches. Okay, limited to fifty-four inches. <laughs> yeah, and you do addition, you do addition them to a certain. Yeah, level. yeah. yeah I, there was a, there's a small edition of ten and a large edition of ten, and within the large edition, there's a few sizes, but limited to ten total. 
So, um, yeah, I love amusement parks. That's the Santa Monica Pier and, and Disneyland. You know, I never went over Disneyland because I read there was a no-fly zone over. It's the only private company with a no-fly zone in the country. Really? Yeah. You can do some research on it. Um, I always knew Mickey was up to new things. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's something about that rat that yeah. bothered me. Yeah, yeah. But then I looked at it a little closer and I saw it was only to 3,000 feet. So uh, I, you know, so I said to the my helicopter, let's let's go to Disneyland, and we actually had to go to four thousand feet because of an airport nearby. So I had to shoot Disneyland from four thousand feet, but I got some nice shots. Great. Any advice? Anything you might want to throw in as we wrap this up? I would say shoot as fast of a speed as you can, unless you're shooting with a camera with a really good uh, image stabilizer. Because otherwise you're going to come back and be very sad when you blow up the pictures and see all the blurs. <laughs> I mean, I've only shot from a plane once, aerial photography once, and it was a thrill. Do you still? Are you still? Oh yeah, getting yeah. A thrill every single time you're going. Up I there? love it. I, yeah. I, you know, especially at night and the lights come on, and uh, sometimes uh, um, just going from place to place. When I'm shooting something, I'm so involved in it. I'm, I'm usually. Not thinking, I'm, I'm just doing the work. But between going from one place to another, and I stop and look around at stuff, it's almost like going on vacation with a camera. You don't sometimes see your vacation, so it's almost like in between. I put the camera down and I enjoy the sights. And <laughs> you also have that problem, yeah. <laughs> so if I have a camera with me, I'm working. It's yeah. it's tough. Yeah, <laughs> good. Is there any other aerial photographers that you? Uh recommend or that you like or, or someone's work that you just think, wow, how, how did they do that? How come I can't do that, et cetera? Oh, yeah. Um, George Steinmetz. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't know him personally, but I admire him. Sure. But, Jeff, if uh, people want to see more of your work, what is your website? What about Instagram? Where should they go? Uh, JeffreyMilstein.com is the website. And, uh, and that's M-I-L-S-T. Right, one L. One L. And at Jeffrey Milstein is the uh uh, Instagram. Okay. I was looking at that in fact I printed it out over here. Got some great stuff on there. Um, terrific having you here as a guest. Good seeing you again. Uh, it's nice been to see you again. 13 years or so. Let's, so it's a pleasure. Uh, let's uh, plug the show, which is yeah. again at the Ben Ruby Gallery in on 26th Street, I believe. Or uh, 26th in... Street, right near the High Line. Uh -huh. And it's running through March 17th. 17th. And the book LANY is available at Barnes and Nobles and Amazon. Mm -hmm. There you have it. All right. Okay. Also, throw we also didn't talk about it, but that book on Palm Springs trailer homes is yes. pretty interesting too. Taking it from mm -hmm. a home, yes. from yeah. the ground. That was a way. fun yeah. little book. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Great. All right. I actually had somebody email me very recently and said, "Because of your book, we bought a trailer home in Palm Springs, and we love it." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, just a reminder, if you are not a subscriber to the B&H Photography Podcast, why not? It's easy, and it doesn't cost you a dime to sign up. We have over 100 past episodes you can listen to. And to become a subscriber, all you have to do is head on over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. And in no time, you could be a card-carrying B&H Podcast listener. Don't put it off. Sign up now. And not to hold you up, on behalf of Jason, John, and myself, thank you so much for tuning in today. <laughs> <laughs>